Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Family Office Solutions Group Masterclass podcast series. We created this series to ensure we are delivering you with timely and relevant content. My name is Meredith Yowie, and I am a director on the Family Office Solutions Group at UBF, also known as FLSG. The Family Office Solutions Group is a dedicated team of specialists who work with our private wealth advisors to deliver holistic advice to clients of exceptional financial success. If you haven't already worked with our team, I encourage you to reach out to your private wealth advisor to learn more about the resources and capabilities. The focus of today's podcast will be on cybersecurity and managing your digital footprint. Our panelist for today is Adam Jackson, CEO of 360 Privacy. 360 Privacy was founded by special operations veterans with the mission of allowing high-profile individuals and families to control their personal information. 360 Privacy uses proprietary techniques and software to remove their clients' personal information from over 270 websites, remove imposter social media accounts, and provides expert consulting on cybersecurity best practices. Before we start, I want to mention the following. 360 Privacy is included within the UBS Professional Network, but is not affiliated with UBS. Inclusion of 360 Privacy in the Professional Network and the selection of this firm to brief clients on cybersecurity and digital footprint is not a recommendation of or a business referral to 360. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today, and let's get started. So I know we could do a whole podcast dedicated to this topic, but I'm hoping you could kick off by speaking through some best practices around cybersecurity. You know, specifically, what comprises someone's digital footprint, and how can our clients protect themselves while browsing the Internet? Yes, so first, thanks for having me. Um, Second, you know, digital footprint isn't, like, there's not a Webster's definition of digital footprint. We, you know, and it's a really, really big topic, but we try to break it down into kind of three subsets. The first is what big data knows about you. And so that's location data from your phone, your browsing history that's stored by, you know, all of the the browsing companies, whether that's Google or uh, Firefox or all those kind of, you know, browsers. Uh, And then, you know, data from Alexa or Siri or things like that. And so that's kind of one bucket. That's what big data knows about you. They like, they don't necessarily make that public, but they'll sell it for advertising purposes. And then the second bucket we like to think about is the information we choose to disclose about ourselves online, whether it be through social media or interviews, things like that. And then the third, and what I would consider probably the most dangerous for clients that have achieved a certain level of success and really where our company focuses is the data that you didn't voluntarily disclose but is available to the general public. And so that type of data comes from data, all sorts of different data brokers. But the public disclosure usually winds up as like, you know, a lot of people are familiar with whitepages.com or binverified or radars.com or sites like that. Um, the information included there is your phone number, your address, social security numbers, Amazon wish list, audible reading list, things like that. Uh, that, you know, again, you don't voluntarily make available for the world to see, but they still kind of wind up out in the general internet. And then if we start looking at like best practices as far as safe browsing, we break those into two different categories. The first category is best practices. And so these are things that you know, you you don't need any technical expertise or knowledge to to practice. You know, 
basically don't use re or don't reuse passwords or click specific, uh, suspicious links or uh, another one that I don't hear mentioned nearly enough is checking the extension of a website. And so like .com website, just because a website is .com doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but if a, the, the last part of a URL always means something. And so like a .ru website is based in Russia. Um, and so looking at those extensions as you're browsing um, is, is a big deal. And then like, using PayPal whenever that's an option instead of entering your credit card information into, you know, every time you want to buy something online. And then from a tools perspective, uh, the best advice we can give is always use a VPN and make sure it's a reputable VPN and password managers. Um, password managers allow you to not have to remember hundreds of passwords uh, without reusing the same password over and over again. So I've talked an awful lot uh, I'll stop here and see if there's any specific part of that you want to dive into. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for that. And, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, many of today's listeners work for a family office. And as we all know, anonymity and privacy are extremely necessary within a family office. You know, to protect the accounts, the names, the personal details, and whatnot about the family and their respective entities. So what sort of policies and procedures can family office executives implement for their employees? And also what policies and procedures can the family themselves implement to make sure that those acting on their behalf have policies and procedures in place to make sure that they're acting in the family's best interest and protecting their reputation and assets? Yeah, so digital footprint gets significantly harder to maintain once a certain level of success is achieved in life. And the things that like we used to do and used to provide a really good measure of protection don't necessarily work as well anymore as data has become more lubricated and coming from so many different directions. An example of that would be, you know, 20 years ago, placing a house in a trust made that person anonymous. Well, today... You can put a house in a trust, but if a family member goes to buy a or goes to get like a shopper loyalty card at a grocery store chain and they use their real name and real address, that will be sold back to data brokers who will then uh, connect the person to the property and kind of break the anonymity that was given by the trust. And so having uh, things like UPS boxes. UPS boxes can be used in a lot more places than a PO box can be used. So having a UPS box and using that uh, instead of giving out your real address and real name are that's probably one of the best, one of the, the simplest things that can be done to make sure that home addresses don't wind up online. Another is uh, trust the people you're working with. So really strong background checks. Through a you know reliable FCRA compliant vendor is always important, and then you know the, the old saying that if you've seen one family office, then you've seen one family office is, is never more true. And so what I would recommend is uh, bringing in uh, you know consultants or training companies to sit down with both the employee side on the family office and the family side to talk through what individual specific needs are, and then 
having a program crafted to meet those specific needs. No, thank you for that. And it was interesting. I was reading an article recently about how it's basically near impossible to have nothing available on a family or its individuals just because of the world we live in. So it was just stressing the importance of having, you know, policies and procedures in place for anyone who works for the family, their family office, or would have access to information. So that's really helpful to kind of provide that overview for some of our listeners so they can think through some of these topics. One other thing I'll say is another technique that, that is used a lot is, I shouldn't say use a lot, one technique that will work when we work with especially really high-profile families is we know that we can't control everything that's out there about them. We're not going to be able to uh, put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. And so in a lot of cases, the best option is to go out and clean up as much of the data as we can, but also put data out that isn't real or right. And that way it obfuscates the data that is real. And so um, you're exactly right. If, you know, if a family has had wealth for a long time or is very public, a lot of times you just can't clean everything up. And so it's looking at how to manage the data that is out there um, rather than, you know, beating your head against a wall that's never going to break. So let's shift gears and talk about social media. Can you talk about what is a digital or online reputation and what a family needs to consider when building their digital or online reputation? And it kind of dovetails off some of your earlier comments about how you control your online narrative, just knowing that there's going to be a plethora of information about you and your family online from third-party sources. Yeah, so when looking at information that we voluntarily disclose through social media, uh, we, you want to take you know, the, the family's individual. It, it's a big topic because each family is going to have different needs, right? If someone made... Uh, you know, made their wealth through being in the public eye as an actor or an athlete or an influencer, uh, their needs on social media are going to be very different than somebody that owns, say, an oil and gas company. So but some overarching advice that, that I'd want to give family office managers is all family members' reputation or all family members' actions on social media count toward the family's reputation. And so while it's great to talk to the, the you know, principal of the family, um, usually it's more important to make sure that uh, kids are doing the right thing and monitoring those kids or monitoring those accounts and making sure that things like license plates and uh, mailboxes with addresses on them and things like that aren't popping up in these kids' pictures. Uh, the other thing is, uh, especially for people that aren't influencers, um, you know, one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give is make sure you know everyone that you're following or that is following you. Um, we've seen before where people just accept random requests on Facebook because the person had a mature profile and uh, they looked nice in their picture or they had mutual friends. When in reality, they had accepted a, a request from a reporter who was monitoring their social media, even though it was on private. And so... Um, Again, I think bringing in, um, you know, social media or br- looking at the entire profile of the family and then deciding, you know, what those best practices are on a case-by-case basis is probably the most important thing that family office managers can do. Thank you for that. And, you know, this is my last question. And, again, I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today to talk through some best practices and, you know, 
give concrete examples of steps that families and family offices can take to protect their online reputation and also information about their family that can be accessible online to bad agents. So kind of in closing, what are some tools that are accessible to families to A, make sure that when they are communicating online with one another or are browsing the internet, that they're able to protect themselves. And then secondly, if they do discover false information about them online or information online that could divulge information about their family that could be ex- exploited, what are some of the tools that they can be used to kind of, A, you know, remediate this and also, you know, protect themselves for the future? Yes. Yeah, so um, tools as far as communication go uh, internally at our office, we use an app called Signal instead of texting. Um, it signal looks, feels, acts exactly like iMessage, but it's uh, orders of magnitude more secure to the point that, um, you know, the intelligence community will regularly use signal um, in denied environment or in, you know, countries where there's not a big U.S. presence. Um, so signal is probably the single best communication app that I know of. You can do uh, FaceTime with it. You can send texts. It, it looks and feels exactly like a normal text message uh, app. And then, you know, when we start looking at false information online or compromising information online, uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot that can be done inside of the family office. Um, specifically talking about false information or articles or things like that, uh, our recommendation is, one, uh, contact an attorney immediately and then reach out to the publication and let them know the information is false because, it's actually not libel or slander until the publication is informed that what they're printing is false. And so that your fastest way to get data pulled down that is libelous or slanderous or false is to go the legal route. Uh, one word of caution I, I'd use is there are a lot of services out there that will say they can bury those search results. And they charge a lot of money. And personally, I've never actually seen one have any level of success. And so I, I would just I would encourage caution when interacting with those services. Um, and then, as far as compromising information goes, uh, most of the time that's going to come out on. Uh, as far as compromising, you know, personally identifiable information, um, that world has gotten so big. I think we're up to like 330 sites that post information about people that we remove data from. And so I would say look at a third-party vendor at that point uh, because. The problem is usually going to be too big to solve inside of the office. Thank you so much for joining us today. That concludes our podcast. Unless Adam, you just have any closing remarks, um, just kind of sum up some of the comments you've made today on all kind of whole litany of topics related to cybersecurity and online management. I know we could probably go in depth for um, you know days on this topic. Just any final thoughts? Yeah. First, I want to thank you and UBS for having me on the podcast today. It's been really fun. Um, and I'll just leave with this thought of the threat landscape for successful individuals has changed a lot over the last decade. You know, if you looked at, you know, 20 years ago, everybody was worried about, like, you know, kidnappings and, um, you know, physical vulnerabilities. And as that threat has moved into the cyber realm, uh, the most popular vector for bad actors to use is personal information through phishing or spear phishing attacks. And so I would encourage family office managers uh, to really take a look at what personal information is available online about their families 
and and then really look into what they can do about it. Thank you. So with that, we will conclude our podcast today. Thank you again to Adam and 360 Privacy for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed, and please tune in to future episodes. This commentary is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be officially those of UBS Financial Services, Inc., and the firm does not verify nor guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author of the securities or views stated herein. Any specific securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. The past performance of an index is not a guarantee of future results. Lyrical Partners and its employees are not affiliated with UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS 2021, all rights reserved. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG member FINRA SIPC.